Are you concerned about the air that you're breathing, especially with increasing air pollution? We all know how vital indoor air quality is, and here's where Puro Air steps in to make the difference. Did you know that indoor air can be up to 100 times, 100 times dirtier than the air outside? That's where Puro Air comes to the rescue. In just 30 minutes, this revolutionary device can transform the air in your room by removing allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases. But what sets Puro Air apart is its cutting-edge HEPA-14 filter, a powerhouse that tackles pollutants at a microscopic level. And it's not just me saying that, Puro Air is backed by scientists from both Harvard and MIT. I personally loved having a Puro Air purifier. I feel like I can breathe again, especially after battling congestion for like the last month. Winter can be tough, but within an hour, it was crazy. I could feel my sinuses beginning to open up. I slept through the night without coughing, and I've been sleeping so much better now that we have a Puro Air running in our bedroom. So check it out at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time, getpuroair.com. For a lot of my listeners, I feel like they're on a journey to simplify their lives, but they don't want to sacrifice style, which I completely understand. And that's why I was excited to partner with Home Threads. Home Threads is the perfect blend of minimalism and comfort for your home. At HomeThreads.com, you can discover a curated collection of sleek and functional furniture that speaks to the heart of minimalist living, from multifunctional storage to timeless design. They have everything you need to create a clutter-free and serene space for your family. As most of you know, we've recently moved, and I'm not someone to just fill up a room so that it's done and decorated. I wanted to do this with intention, and so I searched out accent chairs on Home Threads and found the perfect mid-century modern chair that really complements my space. So embrace the beauty of less and elevate your home with purposeful pieces. Visit HomeThreads.com minimalist and get a code for 15% off your first order. Home Threads, love where you live. Hello and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. I'm Diane. I'm a mother of three living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. Did you know that the average American child spends a mere four to seven minutes outside each day? On the flip side of that, the average American child spends around four hours on screens. While some of the screen time may obviously serve an educational purpose, there's just really no way that most kids need that much of it. As parents, it really can be tough to swap that screen time for outdoor time, but the benefits are so worth the challenge. And helping me with that challenge today is my guest, Jenny Urich. She's the creator of the movement, A Thousand Hours Outside, which urges parents to get their children outside for 1,000 hours each year. In our conversation, Jenny offers practical wisdom and inspiration to help you make outside time a priority in your day-to-day. But before we get to the conversation, as always, I want to encourage you to leave a rating and review if you haven't done so yet. Leaving that rating and review on iTunes is really the best way you can continue to help this podcast succeed and grow. And just to get this information into other moms' hands who might not be quite minimalist, but starting to pursue a life with less. So I appreciate anyone that leaves rating and reviews to make the podcast more findable for other moms. I don't have any decluttering stories for you this week, but I do have another book recommendation. And the book is called Glow Kids by Nicholas Cardaris. 
This book really examines how technology has profoundly affected the brains of an entire generation. And he dives into the sociological, psychological, cultural, and economic factors involved in the global tech epidemic with one major goal, and that is to explore the effect that new technology is having on children. I truthfully believe this book is a must read for every parent and especially teachers and school administrators I think would really benefit from this as well just to know how to navigate screens in the classroom. I think it could be of huge benefit. I think a lot of us realize that screens aren't probably the best for our kids but also I always say everything in moderation is typically okay. This book has has slightly shifted my mindset on that because I just think A lot of times for me, it becomes filler. It's just like, okay, we have this transitional time and I can get this done really fast if I just put a show on. And I I think that that really happened for me during COVID when we were all here much more regularly than normal. But I think this book just helped me reevaluate our habits. And this book really paired nicely with this episode this week, just about getting kids outside. And it's something that I've been trying to prioritize a lot more this summer than I usually have been in previous summers. I tend to hibernate more in the summer than I do in the winter, but I see how much my kids need to be outside. And I see I do honestly see a behavioral shift in my kids when they've had too much time in front of the screens. We don't use tablets in our household, but even too much time in front of the TV, especially depending on the time of day, can lead to such a downfall in our dynamic. So I originally heard about the book from Colin Karchner's podcast as he was a huge advocate for this book and just getting kids off screens. He's a big believer in dumb phones, which are I believe are called gab phones. Check that out. I'll put all of this in the show notes because it was, it's been really helpful to me. My kids aren't even at the age where they need phones yet, and I'm already thinking about this stuff. So I'll put all that in the show notes for you. I highly recommend it. It was something I definitely wanted to mention to you all this week. But here's my conversation with Jenny Urich of A Thousand Hours Outside. Jenny, thanks so much for joining me today on the Minimalist Moms podcast. Thanks for having me. Thrilled to be here. Absolutely. I've been following along with you and your Instagram account here for, I don't know, maybe a year now, but I just love what you're doing for getting kids outside. And I want to know more about how that all came about. But before we get into our conversation today, just go ahead and introduce yourself to listeners, let them know a little bit more about you and maybe if you consider yourself a minimalist. I do not (laughs) consider myself a minimalist at all. Although I am really attracted to the idea because our house is usually messy, but uh, my name is, I love that question. My name is Ginny uh, Urich, and we live in Michigan. So we're a little north of you guys, the land of the hand. We have five kids. Our youngest just turned five and our oldest just turned 13. So we had some milestone birthdays in June um, and then a couple others scattered in the middle there. So we live uh, near the Ann Arbor area in Michigan and Almost exactly two years ago, we actually moved to a little hobby farm. So that's been a really new experience. Totally grew up in the suburbs and, you know, know nothing about animals and farming and gardening. And But it's been a really fun learning curve. I actually love it. So that's been neat. And I am under a little move called Thousand Hour Side, which is a simple concept that has a profound impact. It is uh, an aim to get outside for a thousand hours every year and sort of balance out nature time and screen time for the average American child. They're outside four to seven minutes a day is what the stats say and on screens for four to seven hours. So this is a movement to bring back balance and to embrace 
all of the things that nature has to offer our kids and to offer our families. Wow. I didn't realize that it was that high four to seven hours a day. Again, I know you said you're not a minimalist, but I do think there's a lot of intention behind this community that you have built and your intention behind wanting to get the kids outside. So that's why I asked you on the show today, but you've somewhat explained why you first started the thousand hours outside. Did you have any other like main motivators that you felt like you had to take on this passion project? Well, this is actually just us sharing our lives. I really struggled when my kids were small just to make it through the day. And and interesting that you bring up minimalism because we are not minimalist when it comes to the amount of things that we have in our home, but we are minimalist in terms of our schedule. And when my kids were small, I was enrolling them in all sorts of things. So our schedules were really full and I was drowning because it's really a lot of work to take kids to anything, especially when they're small and they need car seats and they need diaper bags and snacks and you've got several little ones. And, you know, if you fill your your schedule when they're young with programs and programs, it's just exhausting. And I happened upon through a friend, this educator who's actually from the end of the 1800s. So surprising that her stuff is still out there today and very research backed. She was ahead of her time, but she said that kids should be outside for four to six hours a day whenever the weather is tolerable. And I just thought that was an absurd idea because programs are short. I know you said you just dropped your kids off at safety town. I know that that takes the morning and and sometimes there's vacation Bible school and that takes the morning, you know, nine to noon. But for the most part, you know, the library program is 45 minutes and the music class is 30 minutes. And so do anything for four to six hours seemed really kind of outlandish to me. And I didn't know what my kids would do. A friend of mine told me about it and she asked if we would go to the park with her for four hours. And that one day that we went to the park for four hours, it was back in 2011. We went from nine to one and we packed a picnic and it wasn't a playground. It was just a park with open space and a little creek and some ducks and things, our kids just played the whole time. And I, as silly as it sounds, I didn't really even know they could do that. And from that day on, we started to flourish in a different way. It was sort of backing out of the rush and out of the hamster wheel of childhood and the go, go, go and pulling back and learning that, Simple nature play helps our kids' brains function better, and it helps them be healthier. It helps their social skills. It helps them emotionally, and then it helps the parents as well. So you get so much out of this simple thing. So that's sort of where it started was back in 2011, and we really changed the way that we lived, which was trying to prioritize nature immersion over these other activities. And lived that way for a couple of years before really noticing that we weren't seeing other kids outside. And that's when I came across the stats of the 1200 hours a year, kids are only outside for four to seven minutes. And I don't think it's because parents are intentionally skipping those things. I think it's because they just don't realize the power in them. And there's so much pressure to enroll, enroll, enroll. So I just started writing about our experiences because they were so transformative in our family. And 
here we sit on the podcast. It's almost a decade later. Uh, but the but the movement has gone global and I've been able to put a little bit more time and intention in it the last few years as my kids have gotten a little older. You know, when they're small, it's hard to juggle all that stuff. So I only put some minimal effort into it when they were younger, just sort of writing about what we were doing as a family. But that's where it came from. And uh, it's just sort of like I said, us sharing our life and what has worked. And um, I think when families try it, when they're intentional about nature time, they realize the power in it and it's needed more than it used to be. You Mm -hmm. know, back in the eighties, kids just played and there wasn't screens that were available 24 seven. So Mm -hmm. at this day and age, I think being aware of how much hands-on living our kids are getting is helpful. Absolutely. Yeah. I like, well, I'll say this prior to having kids, I did enjoy being in nature, but it takes on a different role when you have kids that you have to prepare, especially here in Ohio, because we have the four seasons. So you're having to dress them for whatever season. And I have three kids. So it's, it's a little bit more of a handful than just me going outside by myself and going for a walk. All that to say, I've noticed that throughout my last almost seven years of motherhood, the more that I'm in nature, the more that I crave being in nature. And it is a habit that I think you have to cultivate like any other. I think it can seem overwhelming. Like I can't imagine spending four to six hours outside, but it really is. You just have to keep doing it and doing it. And then it becomes a lot easier. At least I felt like that in my own life. I agree. And I don't, I don't think it ever really gets all that easy. And that's why we have a goal for it. It is hard. You have to have the right snacks on hand and you have to, like you said, you have to have the right clothing for the different seasons. You know, I get sick of the washing swimsuits. I mean, each season, you know, I mean, we just got sapping wet towels and (laughs) then in the winter it's sapping wet snowsuits and in the spring, everyone is a muddy mess. And so, so fall is kind of perfect, right? I mean, fall (laughs) fall is nice, but um, you know, it's hard. And that, that is why we have a goal because otherwise I wouldn't do it. I would miss it. And we have goals for things that are hard and that are a little more difficult to do. I think it's difficult um, both from the prep standpoint and depending on how old your kids are, it's really, it's really hard to get kids outside. Mm-hmm. If you've got three toddlers and you're trying to get them all in their snow gear, well, that's going to maybe take you 45 minutes or an hour. It's hard. You got to have the stroller and all these types of things. I think that's hard. And I think it's also hard to step off that sort of fear cycle of, am I doing enough? Am I doing enough? Am I doing enough? And that's a piece of it too. And so my message has always been that you can slow down and gain more through nature play. It's sort of this message of hope that you really get all of the childhood benefit things from going outside and being sort of child directed and letting them play as simple as it seems or as frivolous as that, as that may seem, the research clearly backs the power of nature play for kids. Yeah. And I guess I should say it's my motivation that I feel like is easier when I'm regularly doing it as opposed to the actual action of getting my kids ready that you're right. That definitely. Cause you do it and you, and you have a good day, right? You get outside, you have a good day. It was fulfilling. And you think, if you do it once, and that's sort of how our experience was, right? We did it one time and it was so transformational. So then, oh, like, oh, I want to do it again. You know, where else can we go or what else can we do? That sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. 
All right. Well, I want to go through on your website, you have these five quick tips that you posted and I really loved reading through these. So I want you just to go into maybe just a little bit more detail with each of them. And then I want to ask a few of your favorite, maybe non-traditional activities, but let's go through these five quick tips that you have for parents to get their kids outside. So I'll let you say the first one. Okay. The first one says, we already kind of talked about this, but the average American kid um, is on 12, gets 1200 hours of screen use a year. So we're trying to match it with fresh air time. It's a worthwhile goal. So sometimes we think, well, the time isn't there, but the time possibly is there. It's just being spent on other things. I, you know, I always say, even if 1000 hours outside isn't your goal, it's backed by research. There's sort of this prevailing research that kids should be outside for three hours a day. But, you know, we're in Michigan. So same as you, it's bitter cold in the winter. So I have a year long goal and try and just balance that out. Having a goal and just being aware of the benefits of hands-on living and sort of what kids are missing out on because of heavy screen use just helps us to be motivated to get outside more. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. Number two. You say it's surprisingly easy for our family to stay outside for hours on end. Nature occupies children in an endless varieties of ways. As long as we have enough food and water, we notice that kids don't seem to tire of natural surroundings. Even after three to six hours outside, our children will often ask to play outside more later in the evening. What are you doing in those hours that you're spending outside? And we, we might hit that a little bit more here with the, the other three, but I think I saw on your website that you say you eat meals outside too. And that that's part of the thousand hours, just having lunchtime outside is contributing to that being outside in nature. Right. Because there's the surround sound of nature sounds and, you know, it helps children's vision to have that depth of field that's different from being indoors. So even if you're doing something simple outside, like reading or drawing, or you're taking sort of your inside activities out, playing a board game, eating it, eating dinner, eating a meal, sunlight changes your body and the way that it works and it helps with your circadian rhythms. So you can take inside things outside and all of those things are beneficial. When we go outside for large chunks of days, I honestly, Diane, don't even know what our kids do. They just play. Mm -hmm. And that's what was so mind boggling to me. And at the beginning, when we first started trying to be outside for more time, I actually didn't know that there were any benefits at all. I was just trying to pass the day. You know, I was, you know, like a young mom and my husband had long work hours and I was drowning with the needs of these kids. And Mm -hmm. I felt like I was failing on a daily basis. And we went outside and everyone was happy and no one's fighting. And they're finding, I don't know what they're doing, but they're finding things that are worthy to them. And those things are helping with their development. So what I've learned, you know, in the last 10 years is that, that sort of child-directed investigation and exploration is helping them grow in ways we can't measure, mm-hmm. but they find things to do. And, you know, I think we're so used to pacifying and we give screens or we, we enroll. And so the time is all filled up and we have forgotten that kids know how to use their time. And especially when they're given time, they get better and better at it. Yeah, Absolutely. I like number three, you say, what about nap time? So what about nap time if we have littles? 
you know, ours always fell asleep outside. They would fall asleep in the stroller or they would fall asleep in a baby carrier and they napped really well. A lot of people say their kids nap really well outside. Something about that fresh air and the breeze. And in certain cultures, kids nap outside year round, even in the cold weather. Mm -hmm. We never really did that, but it was intriguing to me. So nap time, it changes because then you're not home sort of rushing to get things done, you lose that. But sometimes there's less that needs to be done because you've been out of the house all day. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yes. I've read about that. Gosh, what book was it? I think it's definitely in the book. There's no such thing as bad weather, but I've also read other parenting books where I think in Norway and some of those European countries that they will set their baby outside to take a nap in their pram as they call them. But I, I actually, mm-hmm. I've, I've done that in cooler weather in November here, which no one better call child services on me. But with my first daughter, <laughs> we would go on a walk. She'd fall asleep and I would just leave her on the stroller on the front porch. And I mean, I, I was nearby watching, but yeah, I think that it is so good for your system and maybe people have allergies being outside that could exacerbate that. But I, I definitely am one for fresh air as a cure-all for a lot of things. Tacovis is a terrific boot brand and they're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots, but they've innovated on comfort, style, and service. As someone who tries to pursue a minimalist lifestyle, I highly value quality over quantity. And I'm telling you, you can't find a higher quality boot than Tacovas. Their Western boots for men and women are handmade. Handmade from the most premium leathers with over 200 time-honored individual steps. Also, did I mention that they are Austin-designed, Texas-tested, and handmade down in the boot-making capital of the world, Leon, Mexico? And also, if you've ever wondered if you can pull off cowboy boots, which is something that I was thinking, you should pull on a pair of Tacovas and you'll see. Just do a quick search for Tacovas on social media and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit tacovas.com, that's T E C O V A S.com, and point your toes west. No more stressful trips to the fitting room under fluorescent lights. With Armoire, you get to wear quality pieces without the hassle of adding to your wardrobe or paying designer prices. I'll say, as a busy mom of three, I know the importance of treating myself to something special, and Armoire allows me to prioritize quality over quantity in my wardrobe. Plus, Armoire is woman-founded and woman-led, so you can feel good about supporting a business that empowers women. If you're ready to have your dream closet delivered to your door, try Armoire today. You'll never have to worry about finding the perfect outfit for any occasion again. If you're curious for some of the looks that I've chosen, check out my collaboration highlight on Instagram for a few of my favorite armoire looks. Looks that you can grab too. So right now my listeners can give armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash minimalist. That is armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash minimalist to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. If you're planning to cut back on alcohol this dry January, Recess Zero Proof Craft Mocktails are the perfect alcohol replacement. Recess has meticulously crafted familiar favorites such as Lime Margarita and Grapefruit Paloma, allowing you to savor the flavors and experience of these cocktails without the alcohol content. Throughout January, my listeners can take advantage of a special offer and get 15% off the Recess Mocktail Sampler Pack at takearecess.com minimalist. Every can of Recess boasts a lightly sparkling mocktail infused with functional ingredients and a calorie count of 25 or less. It's a guilt-free option for winding down during dry January. 
Again, whether it's the end of a demanding day, a dinner gathering, or simply a moment to unwind, these mocktails are the perfect choice. You won't miss the alcohol, and you certainly won't miss dealing with a hangover. Get 15% off recess mocktails now at takearecess.com minimalist so you can enjoy your favorite cocktails without the consequences. All right, number four, you said what about housework? Yes, there's often a trade-off between housework and laundry. Your house may stay a little cleaner if you're out um, out of it for long stretches of time, but there t- does tend to be extra laundry. Personally, I take some deep breaths and remember that someday when the kids are grown, I'll have all sorts of time to clean. I think this probably is a is a great thing for your audience because if they're already minimalists, then maybe they don't have as much to clean anyway, and um, and it's not as much of an issue, but there does end up being extra laundry. Like I said, I mean, we have piles of towels and and maybe we could have a better system for that hooks and everyone has their one towel and they hang it up or, you know, but if we go to the beach, then it's sandy and it needs washed and all those types of things. So, but people often ask about housework. How are you getting your housework done if you are outside for that amount of time? And the housework just tends to be less. And if you're a minimalist mom, you know, then you've got a, you've got a leg up there, I think. I think that's a huge point that you make because we, I guess this was pre-COVID. We definitely had our routine set. We would go to the library a certain day. We would do this different play date this certain day. And so when I would come home, I didn't have that that morning mess to clean up. And then it was into nap time. We would play a little bit inside, maybe do a little bit of outside play, but there it really wasn't building up. I think that it's a lot harder to do that here in the winter just because I feel like we're at home a little bit more. But as I was saying, there's no such thing as bad weather. You can pack yourself up and get yourself enough layers. But yeah, I think that that is a really great point that things do build if you're there. So get them outside. All right. And then lastly, you said older kids love outside time too. This is funny to read what I wrote. It says, depending on our location, we run into middle and high school kids often fishing, kayaking, catching crayfish, climbing trees, skateboarding, reading in a patch of grass, drawing, etc. So now I have middle schoolers. So this is my own kids, you know, and it's been interesting to see how they have sort of morphed, you know, when my kids were younger, you don't really know what to expect. You love this nature time. It's working for our family. Well, what's it going to be like when they're 13 years old? But they progress in what they're interested in and find new ways to occupy their time. So our kids are super into pick up football games. You know, they have always got a football with them. They play this football game with a volleyball net. And I don't even know what the rules are or what they're doing. They toss it over. You either have to catch it. I don't know. They've made up this whole system of rules. And that's so good for their development. You know, the negotiation and those sort of pickup sports games, which I think we've lost a lot of because sports are so organized now. But mm-hmm. they they like to do trick shots. And they're trying to do all these special things. And so it's been neat to see how one of them really likes fishing. And, you know, it's neat to see how they grow with it. And they sort of start to specialize in what they're interested in and nature gives them a way to be themselves and be unique and still grow and develop in ways that are meaningful to them. So this is something that works for babies through grandparents and and is impactful in different ways at different stages. So I like that. You know, I think one of the I've always said one of the hardest things about parenting is the is transitions, right? Like you have this baby, you sort of get the routine down and then they have teeth. 
right? Mm-hmm. And then and then your routine is thrown off. And then, you know, you you figured out, you know, first grade, and then in third grade, there's all these other issues or, you know, and then they're going through puberty. So there's all these, it's constantly changing. You never really have it figured out. But nature is a mainstay. It works all the way through. So I like that. It's a struggle to say my kids have the freedom. They're old enough now to go bike around the neighborhood. I feel like that's going to be a scary day for me. But I believe that it's actually safer now than it was maybe even when we're doing it. One, because of technology and ring cameras. But also, two, I just think that what I've read statistically is that it's okay to allow them to do that. Again, that that's like a controversial topic. But all that to say, I can't wait till she has the freedom to go do that. And that's like another thing. I just think about how much I, I was biking as a kid or rollerblading. And I loved doing that. I, I loved it too. Cause it's freedom. You know, yeah. it's freedom when you're at the right age that you don't have, you know, if you're 12 and you can't drive, but you're old enough to sort of have some time to yourself and you have freedom to to sort of move about on your bike and go these different places. We had a neighborhood park that was around the block and it had a baseball field, like this rundown thing, but we'd meet up there with neighborhood kids and there is freedom in that. And I think there's a lot that talks about the kids shouldn't be watched all the time, that there yeah. are benefits, even if, and in that case, even if you're just sort of, if you're watching, but you're, but you're back away is, you know, you're, you're paying attention, but you're not maybe hovering yeah. that kids really benefit from that time where adults aren't over their shoulder and they're getting to manage themselves. So, you know, and I agree with you. I've read all the things that say things are still safe to be outdoors. And, you know, there are things like GPS watches. There's all sorts of great devices, like you said, that are technology driven and give us an extra peace of mind. Yeah, absolutely. I think these are all really great tips. Again, you've made it seem a lot more nature is accessible. It it really is. It's so inviting. And there is so many, there are so many different options and opportunities that we can have going out into nature, wherever that may be for us. But what are some of your favorite non-traditional activities for playing outside? Something that maybe we wouldn't automatically think of, of the outdoor play. Well, we kind of like it all. Our favorite non-traditional things. We just like the normal stuff. We, you know, here's what I would say. We, in terms of going outside, we like all of the things and we don't do all the things and we don't ski, you know, there's certain things that we haven't tried yet, but you know, we like hiking and we like going to the beach and we like building snow castles. And the other day we were at the orthodontist and our orthodontist appointments take forever because I've got three kids in orthodontia, which you never expect when they're little, like this is what my life's going to be in 10 years. But, um, and I still have two younger ones. And so we just hung out on the sidewalk at the orthodontics uh, place and played in the parking lot, you know, not in the actual parking lot, but you know, (laughs) the sidewalk along the edge and there's, you know, there's ants and there's roly polies and there's bees and there Scott Sampson has this book called how to raise a wild child. And one of the things that's really stuck out with me in there was he said, nature is all around us. It is coming up through the cracks in the sidewalk. And so that's, I guess a non, I would say maybe a non-traditional a way to play. But I remember even as a neighborhood kid, just loving to see the little anthills, you know, around the cracks in the sidewalk and mm-hmm. in the neighborhood. And so, you know, when you say it's accessible, nature truly is everywhere. Even if we live in an apartment and we used to live in a townhouse and didn't have a yard and you know, it's everywhere. And so all of the activities are worthwhile and they count as learning and growth and fun. And so it's sort of whatever you find and it, and it's a unique little expression of your own family, what you find and what makes Mm -hmm. you tick. And 
So we like all the stuff. No, that's great advice. All right. Well, where can listeners find you and connect with you? And I love that you also have these printouts. Yeah, well, we actually keep we actually keep track of our outside time. It is sort of the foundation of our year. And we have a little paper tracker. We also have an app because so many people ask for the app. But we like the paper tracker. It's free to print out on our site. And it's got a thousand little spaces to fill in. You just color in one per hour. And it's a way to model balance to our kids. I think as they get older and they become parents themselves, technology is just becoming more and more pervasive. So by modeling that and saying, you know, we're going to color in these circles or we're trying to get outside for a thousand hours a year, or 800 hours or whatever your number is, it adds some excitement to it and some validity. And we should be celebrating that hands-on living. It's worthy of celebrating. So those trackers are free. Our website is 1000hoursoutside.com. It's 1000hoursoutside.com. We have a blog there and a cute little shop and free tracker sheets and you know, a free outdoor advent calendar and a summer bucket list. There's some fun stuff you'll find there. And then I am on Instagram and Facebook mainly as social media platforms go. I know there's a lot of other ones, but I have not broadened my reach yet. So we're there and people use hashtag 1000 hours outside. And I think there's, I don't know, maybe over 300,000 of those. So it's cool to see what families are doing around the globe and how they're getting kids outside in schools and daycares and teachers and gym teachers. And um, a lot of people, libraries even are joining in. And so um, a thousand hours outside as a hashtag people use to sort of join the movement. And then we have Facebook groups that are location specific. There's a lot of those. And then a main Facebook group that has, I don't know, maybe 50,000 people in it or a little bit more and people leave their ideas and ask their questions and, Uh, It's a vibrant, fun group. So that's where I'm at. Wonderful. And as we wrap things up here, I have two quick uh, rapid fire questions for you. And the first one is, what is something in your home that you could never part ways with? You could never minimize that's precious to you. I would say my piano. My mom bought me a piano when we got married and I have played the piano since I was four. And so it's a really special thing that we own that, that gets used a lot. Yeah. I love that answer. That's a great answer. All right. And then lastly, what is something that you struggle to keep minimal? I know you said you're not a minimalist, but is there anything that you can think of that really, it's just, you're never going to be able to minimize this area? Well, Diane, I struggle with all the things, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but I do have, I would say that I have a lot of books and I write in my books. So (laughs) sometimes I think, am I ever going to actually go back through these books and read what I wrote? Mm-hmm. But then sometimes I do. So, you know, you like your, your mind is sparked and you're like, Oh, I remember reading this in that book and you go grab it. So I think it would be hard for me to pare down which ones I would hang on to and which ones I would give away. Yes. I am also, is, is it called a bibliophile? You, someone that loves reading? I am the same way. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> and I write in them. So I've, I've got all these mm-hmm notes, but like I said, so many of them I've never gone back through. So no, I I get Uh, that. That would be tricky. Jenny, thank you so much for joining me today on the Minimalist Moms podcast. This was a wonderful conversation. You've encouraged me to get outside even more. Well, I really appreciate you having me on Diane and I will start working on my path toward minimalism here. (laughs) (laughs) What did you think of the episode? Did Jenny inspire you to get outside a little bit more or do you have plans on going over to her website and printing off one of those free downloadable trackers? 
It's actually something I plan to do with my kids from the first week of this September to the first week of next September. So I'll be curious to see how far we can get. What are your thoughts? I invite you to keep the conversation going at minimalistmomspodcast.com. And there you'll find links to the Instagram account, Facebook page, and where you can find me all around the web. Thank you for joining up on this journey. I wish you a lovely week as you think more and do with less. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.